0: shooting straight podcast i'm tina and i'm wendy and we love truth even when it hurts yes even when it hurts hello wendy hello good morning good morning it's so good to see you we haven't seen each other in a little bit we've had a lot of family things going on we have lots of personal stuff and busy life yeah absolutely well, it's good to see you. Good to see You, you look really nice as Thank always. You. Thank, you. Thank you. As do you. Oh well thanks. <laughs> a little love fest here. little love morning. fest yeah. Uh, this is it we really just kind of ran in the room and hooked up and got started so we haven't even really greeted each other very well so it's good to see you. I am so excited you guys. We have an amazing guest. Um, a new friend of mine who I am just thrilled to know. Um, she is a warrior for Christ. She is an advocate and defender of children. Um, She has been very active in a lot of the stuff we're hearing that's been going on in our public schools. She is a voice for reason, a voice for um, parent rights. Um, And so there is a whole... So Wendy and I have a goal with this podcast of constantly showing and illuminating how much Jesus cares about mental health and how he made us emotional people. And so being Christian and calling attention to mental health issues is very much in line with how much Jesus loves us, cares about us. And Paige has a really amazing and unique perspective on mental health in the schools, and where it's been, where it's going, and oh my goodness, what in the world are we supposed to do with this? So Paige Miller, welcome to the Shooting Straight Podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here this morning. I appreciate your invitation.
0: Oh, we are so excited. I've I've seen you in all kinds of events. Yeah, I've seen you speak, like... You are a force to be reckoned with, so we are <laughs> honored that you're here with us. Thank you. So Thank can you, you um, start off just by introducing yourself to our listeners and maybe um, how you've ended up getting so active um, and being such a loud voice for public schools and to stop some of the nonsense?
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. My name is Paige Miller, and um, actually, I grew up here. I moved to Carmel in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through the school system, graduated from Carmel High School in 83, um, went to my four years undergraduate and was fortunate to come back and be um, hired as a teacher in 1987. Mm. I spent 33 years in the classroom in Carmel. I've taught everything from first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. I've taught uh, Title I reading. Um, high ability, um, done a lot of different things. I've never been a teacher that could stay in one spot for 30 years. It just, um, always need something new and different. Um, so I absolutely loved my teaching career. Um, being a teacher was something I've always wanted to be. Um, I, I don't understand how everybody doesn't want to be a teacher um, <laughs> because I truly believe it's a calling and it's a heart. Yeah. It's a work of heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved being creative in my classroom. I absolutely enjoyed my kids and making those relationships and connecting um, and being able to stay in the community. And I've been to uh, weddings, baby showers, uh, some funerals, and some sad things happen. But um, it's just an opportunity. It was such a great opportunity, Mm -hmm. and I've made uh, worked with fantastic teachers, absolutely amazing, and they're still there. They are still there.
0: Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm related to one. I have an
0: amazing daughter who's a 7th grade English teacher. So, yeah, there are there are really great teachers out there. And there are teachers out there um, that are really good. Some of them love the Lord. Some of them haven't met him yet and understand, but they're still good teachers. Um, but obviously, you know, we come to this topic with a Christian, a biblical worldview. Right. Um, and so we were talking a little earlier. Well, can I just ask an off question? Sure. This is a question that's been on my mind forever. And I don't, it's not really related to what we're talking about, which is pretty common for how I operate in this podcast. But um, do you feel, because I've been watching my daughter learn, you know, her first couple years teaching. Do teachers still have the ability to be creative? Like as mm, you're talking, I'm question. like, I, I kind of feel, Feel like there's some so much pressure to follow certain curriculums and guidelines and state standards. Is that still a thing?
1: (laughs) That (laughs) that was something that really started to change, Um, and that was probably a good ten to fifteen years ago. Okay, and they wanted us to be systematic, systemic, and sustainable, Mm -hmm. and um, they wanted to be able to walk into a a third grade classroom on the seventh day of school and across the disc. District, we were all doing the same thing. Mm. And that was really, really hard for teachers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we have always been able to bring that creative element in. And, you know, we were trained on differentiation and that's the ability to give kids what they need when they need it. Mm-hmm. And when you switch it over where we've all got to be on the same page at the same time, you lose that ability to differentiate. Mm-hmm. And then to me, you're no longer meeting kids needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause one yeah. size does not fit all. One right. size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. And if my kids all have something on one day, why can't I move on? Yeah, And right. I did, you know, mm-hmm. so that's kind of where the tension started. And I think between teachers and administration. Okay.
0: Um, And it'll be good when we circle back around. I'll make a note to talk about teachers. Like, is that part of the reason that there's such a need? Like, it's, I know that, but we'll get back to, I'm getting ahead of us. Okay. Which (laughs) Wendy's like, (laughs) as usual. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paige, we were originally uh, talking about mental health in the schools, and you were talking about how it used to be handled when you had kids that had issues or things would come to the surface or they had a family situation arise like a death or can you just and wendy as always chime in because i will take over go for it (laughs) just hit me with something or (laughs) throw there's a book right there just throw the book at me um can you start with how you used to see mental health issues navigated in the public schools we've
1: always had kids that have experienced some trauma Mm -hmm. Um, Some live it daily. Some it's a, you know, a one impact they've lost a parent. Um, But that's been something that's been ever present for all 33 years of my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we had those kids in those situations, our job I felt was to wrap our our arms around the entire family and Mm -hmm. support the family. I had a situation where I had a a child in third grade. Her father was schizophrenic and mom was just gone. Um, Dad would go on and off meds, which is very common. Um, And there were days when uh, she would come to school and she had a little sister in kindergarten and a little sister in first grade. And um, they would come to school some days and had not eaten since lunch the day before. And so we would, I would go to the store and make sure they had some healthy breakfast items down in the nurse's office. And she would come in, sign up for lunch, and go get her sisters, and they would have some breakfast. Because we know kids need to eat before they learn. Mm -hmm. And that's just what we did, what we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wintertime came, she didn't have appropriate winter coat and some, her clothes were very short and very small. And, you know, those are the things that teachers do that nobody knows about. And, you know, those are all out of pocket expenses that they never complain about. And that's what, that's what we do as teachers. We take care of kids. We take care of families. We bring them in because we are all part of it. I always saw myself as a teacher, as part of a triangle where, The base was made up of the parents on one side of the base, me on the other, and the child at the top, because we were the support. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And we had to all work together to make it the best possible year for that child. And that's with every child, regardless if they were experiencing trauma or not. And what I saw starting to change, um, and it did change, is we went from treating the individual that needed help in certain situations... And we started treating every child as if they came from trauma, and that's not the case, not only that, but as a teacher, I am not trained in mental health right i'm trained in situational i'm a you know i'm a mom i'm a right. a teacher I know how to do those type of things, but when you get into kids with serious mental health issues. Teachers are not trained for that Mm -hmm. and they get in, you know, that's not what we do, nor should we, our job is to teach. And of course we take care of those things that we need to, and we know how to do that. And when I was a young teacher and I didn't know, I would reach out to an older, more experienced teacher. And we do that all the time. You know, that's, we mentor. And I had a great mentor the first, you know, probably five to six years I taught, And then I gave that gift back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the new teachers, I would come alongside them. Mm -hmm. I would make sure I was in their room. Hi, you know, I'm Paige Miller. How can I help you? Is there anything you need? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just that welcoming into the profession and bringing them in and letting them know that they've got another sounding board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those were the things that sustained us as teachers. But getting into, that's what started to change as we started to teach treat all kids as if they had a mental health crisis, whether they did or not.
0: Yeah, I went to a school board meeting um, about SEL and the panorama survey specifically. And a parent that was one of the parents comments is you're treating all of our children like they're extremely broken. And not every child is extremely broken. So I mean, with it, we can look at from a biblical viewpoint, we know we're all sinful. We all fall short, all that. So I'm not talking about that. But like you said, like not every child uh, needs the serious mental health interventions that we're prescribing right? through SEL.
1: And, and one of the things they've talked about is we need to teach kids empathy. No, we don't. Kids are very empathetic. You know, you just watch a playground. A child gets hurt. Three of them will bring the child that's hurt to the teacher because they're very worried about that friend. Um, one of my uh, years, I was teaching. My I lost my brother, and he died. And um, I had been gone for a couple weeks. He was in Kansas City, and um, anyway, when I came back, there was a note on my desk, and it said, "Dear Mrs. Miller, I know just how you feel. Aww. I had a goldfish, and it died. <laughs> and then oh, he signed on. his name. Now, if that's not..." <sighs> Empathy, empathy right. from a child. Right. You know, he was relating what happened to me mm-hmm. and saying, "I know just how you feel." Mm-hmm.
2: Pulling from his own life experience. Right. I say, had a, this is
1: what I have to give. Right. <laughs> sure. I had a goldfish and it died. It that brought me. I mean, I just burst into tears. You know, it wasn't the sympathy cards. It was this child meeting me where I was, and you know, that's what kids do. That's how they come to us. We don't need to teach empathy. To the majority of all the kids. Mm-hmm. That's a gift God gives them. They're born with that. Mm-hmm. And we need to encourage that. Mm-hmm. And we need to remind them to think about the other person if they call them a name. You know, those are the kind of things that teachers do. Yeah. But to have a whole six-week lesson on how to be empathetic or whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. kids don't need that. Yeah. Kids need me to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Kids need teachers that are going to teach curriculum. Mm-hmm. And not spend most of their days on how are you feeling? Yeah.
0: Hey, Shooting Straight listeners. We are in the middle of an amazing interview with Paige Miller from Moms for Liberty of Hamilton County. And they have an event you have to know about. Uh, They are having an event called Back to School with Eyes Wide Open. It is a parent's survival guide to the start of school. This is an amazing opportunity. If you've been hearing things and you're sending your kids back to school, but you've got concerns, this is where you want to be. This event is going to take place on Monday, August first, uh, from seven to eight thirty at Life Church Noblesville, um, the Noblesville campus on 2200 Sheridan Road in Noblesville. They are going to cover different questions like how to know if your child's data is safe. Will your child be asked age-inappropriate questions, and how will you know and what to do about it? How can I opt? Uh, how can you opt a child out of curriculum surveys or instruction? Do you know what to look for in classrooms? What are key questions to ask principals and teachers? And finally, oh, and this is a good one: What questions should you ask your child at the end of the school day? My goodness, you guys! that question alone, how many of us, how was your day? Oh, it was fine, 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 that's all I get is fine. Yeah, that's all you'll get is fine. So let's get some help on better questions to ask so that the gift that the quarantine gave us in 2020 was it opened our eyes to things happening in the school. Not all of it has been awful. We've found some really great teachers in the midst of it, but there is a lot to be concerned about and we need information and how to's so that this next school year can be handled with success. So it is, uh, this event again is Monday, August 1st um, at the Noblesville campus. Life Church from seven to eight thirty. The doors open at six thirty. You do need to register for this event. Uh, tickets are ten dollars a couple, so bring your spouse or a friend. Um, in order to register, we will have the website. This uh, I'm on Eventbrite right now. We will include that in the show notes on the podcast. So. Be sure to go there, register for that event. 10 bucks is totally worth it to have some peace of mind as you enter the school year of 22-23. I mean, we'd like to think, think that things couldn't get crazier, but you know, I thought that before. So let's go in full with eyes wide open. Thanks to Moms for Liberty in Hamilton County. Check it out. Let's get back to our conversation with Paige. I'd like to turn a question to you, Wendy, because you are a licensed mental health counselor. Um, what would you say are some of the flags with this idea that teachers are supposed to function that way? Because you've been specifically trained mm-hmm. to handle some of the things that Paige is talking about, some of the trauma and stuff kids go through. Why would that be an unwise mm-hmm. thing to do? Mm-hmm. On, for, You know, of course, from a general standpoint.
2: Right, right. Well, the phrase that always pops in my mind when I think of people who are, have not been equipped or trained to do something and they're, they're put in a position, unfortunately, where they feel that they have to is um, when helping hurts right? Mm -hmm. It's all these great intentions. So you have all these teachers who love these kids. They wouldn't have gone into teaching if they didn't. My mom was a teacher for over 30 years in IPS. So Mm -hmm. challenges, right? Um, But she loved, loved, loved those kids and cared for them and their families, similar to how you're describing Paige. And, um, but when you put people in situations where they're not equipped and they're not trained, but they have a huge heart, unfortunately that's not a great combo. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's as weird as that sounds because they're going to go the extra mile. They're going to get very involved. They want to walk alongside, but without the equipment and the training, something that sounded so good or seemed like a positive move can so easily turn on a dime and Mm -hmm. be a double-edged sword as far as maybe crossing a boundary or getting too involved in a different way and not having the equipment then to walk back out of that or to, um, Again, walk alongside a family in an equipped way that they can then help them ultimately with maybe what all the needs are. And so, yeah. so yeah, it's just it's just a bad position to put teachers in.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, so I worked in a day treatment program with children and adolescents, uh, first grade through twelfth. Mm-hmm. Um, you were telling your story. I had a teenage boy way bigger than me who um, came from a small town in Indiana. His family was very poor, had very little. And at Christmas time gave me a gift. And all he could find around his house were these little plastic dogs. And he wrapped them up and gave them to me for Christmas. And I'm like, here, this kid had, you know, anger issue. I mean, you know, we, in the psych world, there's, you know, sometimes things get physical. Like, so we had all of those kinds of issues with him. And yet... There was this sweet, tender, empathetic, kind person underneath all of that. But in that setting, even with that, we had to have certain boundaries, you know, because you can get enmeshed and get too involved and that attachment can become unhealthy where they depend on that person in an unhealthy way. So it is a little sticky with those kids with trauma and stuff because they're desperately looking for someone to replace whatever it is that they're missing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So um, specifically, Paige, can you talk a little bit about SEL and Panorama and some of the things that you've seen and some of your flags with that?
1: Sure. Um, The SEL survey started um, with Panorama and um, I started kind of looking into Panorama when I was teaching because some of the questions, because we would not get them. We would not get to see the the questions ahead of time. And the kids would log in, and I would, you know, you just walk around and monitor. And I'm looking at some of the questions and thinking, yeah, what? Why are we asking that? Some of the questions were about home, um, some of them were about their teacher. (laughs) I'm thinking, what are we doing with this? And what was interesting is, you know, the first year we gave the panorama surveys, the teachers had a dashboard. And the students would be scored, and all their names would come up on the dashboard and how they scored in each of the seven tenets of SEL. And um, they were graded through a lens of equity. And I was like, well, who's grading this survey? Well, it was graded at Panorama. And... um, They would be scored and they would get either a green if they were good, a yellow if they were, you know, needed some interventions, or a red if they needed a lot. And when you get to interventions, that's that's a really important word because we deliver as teachers interventions. And whenever we do that, we have to have the parents come in. So if parents, if a child needs Title I services, they're behind two years in reading, we bring the parents in and say, your child's behind, Uh, we'd like to give them this intervention, this is the curriculum we're going to use, these are the benchmarks, we're going to test your child to make sure they are improving, and this is our end goal. Would you like to have this service for your child? And parents have a choice. They can say, yes, I want my kid in Title I. Or they can say no, they can refuse that service. Same with speech, same with special ed services. If it's going to be an IEP or a 504, parents have a right to say, I don't want that. I do not want that intervention. Interventions are very important, but they're also targeted and they're targeted for specific skills. So what happened was these kids that didn't score so well they could receive interventions. The difference was we weren't calling parents in for conferences and saying, your child is weak in this area of social-emotional learning, and we'd like to give them this targeted intervention. And the targeted interventions came in through a company called CASEL, and that's C-A-S-E-L, they're all capitalized. And they are targeted interventions for SEL. And we started giving them to kids. And when you look at those, teachers are very powerful when it comes to students. For example, and this has happened before, a kid walks in and we know our kids, especially in elementary, because we spend so much time with them. Mm -hmm. There's been times when someone's walked in, the child looked pale, they just didn't look great. And I've said to them, hey, do you feel okay? And sometimes they'll say, yeah, I'm like, okay. Okay. And then sometimes I'll just be walking around, just kind of touch their cheeks, see if they have a fever or something. If I did that and I kept saying, are you sure you're okay? I guarantee you by nine o'clock they're at their nurse's office and they need to go home. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
1: when we start telling them those things as their teacher, they believe us. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, if I know somebody's come in and they're not a morning person, because I'm not a morning person, I know how to kind of get to them too and to get them going. But what I mean by that is teachers have a direct impact daily on children. And so when I take a castle competency and say these kids need this and I'm going to deliver this, it's like, to me, you you don't give your kid an antibiotic when they don't need it. Mm-hmm. And to give kids targeted interventions without parents' knowledge or approval, that's what I had the biggest problem with. And it's still being done. And what I want to make sure everybody understands is we have amazing teachers. There's not all teachers that are, we hear about the worst. We don't hear about the best.
0: Yeah, that's true. And they're
1: out there. Mm -hmm. And some of these really good teachers are doing this because they want to keep their job. Mm -hmm. And I hate it when I hear people say, oh, you know, they could walk away. Well, really, they can walk away. That's How many doctors do you think walk away because they don't like something? Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen doctors and nurses and all kinds of people taking the vaccine so they could stay employed. You know, that's, some people have to make those different decisions. Well, teachers love teaching. And you know what? I'd rather have a teacher in there doing a little bit of this that they know they don't do completely. Because let's be honest, when you close that door, nobody knows what happens behind that doorway.
0: Right. Well, and I think we all as adults can even look back and like there are teachers that are super influential, Mm -hmm. you know, in positive ways and not so positive ways. I had one teacher needed a mint after his morning coffee. I'm just saying, (laughs) I remember that like yesterday. And then I had a teacher that was really responsible for speaking life into me. You know, I didn't grow up knowing the Lord. And so she was a source. Like, I remember her very fondly to this day just because. So there are. And I think parents even look to teachers as the experts.
1: Right. Right. Like, But we're experts in teaching. We're not experts in mental Well, as
0: you were describing the whole process, I'm like, that's a lot of work and a lot of time for stuff that is not reading, writing, and arithmetic. (laughs) And a lot of pressure. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. A lot of
1: pressure. And that was my biggest to complaint was I'm losing valuable teaching time. Mm -hmm. And I can go into that all day long, but you only need to look at the scores and how they're dropping. Yeah. And they want to say, well, we changed the test. Well, we did change the test, but we didn't change the standards. The state standards didn't change what the kids should know. And what everybody needs to know, especially in Indiana, those are basic minimum skills. Yeah. Basic. And when I look at our district and they're scoring a combined score of 56%, we went from 95 or 94 down to a 56. We went from an A to an F. Wow. And nobody's lost their job in curriculum. Wow. And the changes, <laughs> yeah. In, yeah, nobody's lost their job there, folks. But you look at two curriculum, curriculum matters and i've watched how parents have just been squeezed out of that right it used to be parents were on the committee community members were on the on the on this committee mm-hmm. and because we serve the community we serve the families and communities have a say in what happens in their public schools that's what I want everybody to know. You, this is a public school that's supported by your tax dollars. Mm-hmm. You have every right to know what's going on in those schools. And we had community members, we had parents that sat on textbook adoption. They no longer do that. This last round, when we my, in the fall of 2019, I retired in May of 2020, we were adopting language arts. What happens is the big companies come in, mm-hmm. Silver, Burdett, and Ginn, all the big guys. They come in, Houghton Mifflin, and we get to pilot different language arts programs. I think it's pretty exciting. Um, I guess I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I think it matters. It, You know, curriculum matters. Yeah, We piloted nothing.
0: This was just implemented.
1: And they <laughs> chose, to me, the absolute worst curriculum I've ever – used in my 33 years, Lucy Calkins. Hmm. And you talk to any teacher that teach has to teach Lucy Calkins, they'll tell you the same.
0: Okay.
1: I've never met a teacher that said, oh, I love Lucy Calkins. In fact, they know it so bad, now they're bringing in supplemental because they need it. Wow. And we adopted it for reading and for writing.
0: And see, that's where I would love for this the education department of education to spend their, spin their wheels on that mm-hmm. and let people like Wendy who know what they're doing <laughs> take care of like the mental health. And you know, the IEPs that I went to we had a psychiatrist, a psychologist, we had the family counselor, we had the individual counselor, we had the teacher, like this whole room full of people who have their expertise in their area right. to develop the plan for one child is beautiful. Like And, you know, I haven't been to an IEP in forever, but that's how it used to go. It was really nice. I mean, the kids, I felt, walked out well-represented and, you know, well-loved in that process. But So coming back around to teachers and parents and, and the church and our role and how we're supposed to respond, how do we support both? Because, you know, my, my um, teacher I know, was not engaged in or trying not to engage so much in a lot of the stuff that was coming out that parents were getting upset about yet she would get awful emails from parents who were really just mad at teachers but she was one of the good ones like she's right you know trying to stand for christ trying to do the right thing and so how do we support our teachers what's the best way to do that what advice let's let's start there let's just start with teachers what How does the church need to be responding to them?
1: Um, There used to be something uh, where people would pray at the flagpole. Yeah, Mm, we do that every September. And we need to do it more than once. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, You know, there needs to be an active movement. And there needs to be, I mean, doing it once a year is fine. It's better than not at all. But we need to surround schools under prayer. Because I will tell you, they need it. Mm-hmm. And we need to not only march around the flagpole, but march around the school. And I think we could get groups of people that would just come do that. Come pray at the school. Pray for the teachers and the kids. And, you know, prayer is an amazing thing. When yeah. we pray, God works. Mm-hmm. And I do believe we're starting to see that in our country. And we need to see it in our schools. Um I feel like what happens with that too, sorry to interrupt you no. a little bit, but we um my
0: our school district that we were in, my son just graduated, so we're not anymore, but that district, we got a group of moms together and that's all we did was pray. And some of them would. They would go walk around each school. They'd walk around the elementary, the junior high, the high school. And I think one of the things that happened as a result of that, which I don't think was intended, <laughs> but We started seeing more. Right. Things that were hidden in the dark began to be illuminated to us. And it was like, I didn't realize that was a thing. We didn't know that was happening. And so I felt like the Lord honored that by like, keep praying. I'm going to keep showing you what you need to be praying about. So I'm glad you said that because sometimes we use prayer as a last resort. Well, I'm going to go to the school board meeting and I'm going to go talk to that person. And well, I guess all we can do is pray. And it's like, well. Well, prayer might be the place to start
1: right with all that so that and, was good we had a group called moms in touch yeah and they would pray they would bring in treats and notes of encouragement yeah mm-hmm. and you know i've had amazing years where you know people give you great gifts and, and that is a beautiful show of love but sometimes just getting a note of encouragement yeah And if we could encourage parents, especially those that are in the public schools, um, you know what? We want to be the encouragement and we want to encourage these teachers and we want to love on these teachers. And, you know, just notes of encouragement, bring in, be visible. Mm -hmm. We need to be visible in those schools because everybody else is and we're not. Yeah, that's really good.
0: And I feel like there is a big gap we need to repair The relationship between teachers and parents needs to be repaired, and maybe that's a good starting place. Uh, For sake of time, Wendy, do you have? I was going to jump to parents, and then why don't you take over from there? Um, How do we support our parents who are frustrated? Who, you know, have? You know, I know a a family, twelve-year-old. There was a question about. um, I think I mentioned this before. There was a question mentioned about sexual preference. And students had to stand. And so, you know, we've we've known instances where the kid stands and they're late, they go home, like, well, I stood because everyone who was bisexual had to stand, everyone was standing, so I stood because I was the only one not standing. So now I guess this is what I am. So this is kind of the stuff our parents are struggling with. And they're, you know, I don't think anyone wants to be unloving to teachers, but you have those stories. Right. So how do mm-hmm. we encourage our parents?
1: Well, um, August 1st we're doing a parent survival kit here at Life Church in the Noblesville campus. Um, Sweet. I'm with Mom. I totally knew about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I had that. on my like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. August 1st.
1: <laughs> um, I'm I'm over um I run Moms for Liberty for Hamilton County. So this is available to all parents, really anywhere. You don't have to be in Hamilton County to come to this. And what we're going to do, because not everyone can pull their children from public schools. And we understand that. Not everybody can homeschool. And, and that's fine. What we want to do, we do not want parents that are going back to the public schools to feel hopeless. Because you are not. You need to come hopeful. Mm-hmm. And there are tools we can give you and things you can do um, that will give you more surety that your child is in a better situation. And that technically and really you have a lot more control than you think you do. Mm-hmm. And so we want to give you that power. We are we are not about tearing schools down. We're about building them up and giving power back to the parents. You do have some control. This is your child. Mm-hmm. And we want parents to understand that. And we want them to come alongside, love on their teachers. There's things you can do and to make this a positive experience for you and your family. This doesn't have to be an all-out war. And we don't want that. Right. But we want to make sure that your kids are safe Mm -hmm. and that they are protected from what is going on. And I mean, I could talk for hours, but you know what you just said, that's being brought in through the back door because indiana has a sex education we teach comprehensive sex education right and that's how they're able to backdoor a lot of this stuff in that was not the intent of the law mm-hmm. so there are some parents do have a lot to say and we want them to know that we want schools to be transparent and you know things happened and i, I not and I'm going to give parents maybe a little bit of rub here, but you know we used to have parent-teacher conferences. Mm-hmm. Those went away, and there was a little outcry, and then they just gave up. Are you serious? Those went away? Yeah, we no longer do parent-teacher conferences in elementary school.
0: I, I did had not realize no that. Idea. I did not know yeah. that. I mean, my kids
1: have been older, yeah. for a while. So, and a wow. lot of times I hear from parents. Well, you know, I asked this, and the school said no. I said, okay. They said no. That's not the final word. You're mm-hmm. the final word. You're the parent. You go back to the school. That's not an acceptable answer. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be no. You're not. Boy, gonna... we have lost that, haven't we? Just we our place in our kids' lives. Right. Like, we just say yeah. they say, oh no, you can't do that, and we go, oh okay. And you no, that that's where we want to come behind you. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, we will help you. I will come behind you. Yeah. Um, because you are the parent, and it's time parents start standing up and it doesn't have to be negative but just because a school or a teacher tells you no mm-hmm. that's not the final word mm-hmm. right that's good it doesn't have to be adversarial no. you just have to still i don't do want it them. to be adversarial but i want parents to understand that you have the ability to do a lot more than you're doing
0: it's mm-hmm. good mm-hmm.
2: well and as we talked about parents used to be welcomed in so they didn't have to push <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, this is a different posture for parents now. Right. Right?
1: And you've been kicked out of the school for two years. Yeah. Parents, you have got to get back in those schools. Mm -hmm. You know what? They may try to keep you out again. The answer to that is no. I'm coming in. I'm coming for lunch. I'm coming to volunteer. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back into my school. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's your school. Mm -hmm. That's your neighborhood school. Get back in there. I think that's where groups like Moms for Liberty come
0: in because if you're just a parent on your own, you're like, I don't know. I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to. I don't know what I'm supposed to say, how I'm supposed to say it. What are my rights? What's too much? So that's where getting connected with a group or coming to this thing in August that you mentioned can be super helpful answering questions.
1: Well, and it's not just for moms. We have moms and dads and I'll tell you who some of our best people are, are the grandparents. Uh Grandparents are like, oh no, we're an, uh-uh. <laughs> no, not my grandkid and they sometimes we have to settle them down a little bit but because um,
0: grandparents lose their
1: filter oh, let's yeah. be oh. like yep yes indeed <laughs> that yes indeed and uh but they're great uh-huh. and so I want everybody you know this is for everybody even though it started off as moms um we need everybody involved in this yeah And we are growing. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow for the National Convention in Tampa, Florida. So I'm real excited about that to get more things in my tool belt so I can share those with parents. Great. And um, But yeah, it is obviously a big movement. We've been called domestic terrorists by the Attorney General of the United States of America. Um, I find that absolutely amazing. But I do want to say one thing. He, we gave him a little tension too because why would you call a bunch of moms domestic terrorists well guess what his daughter's married to one of the founders and CEOs of Panorama, Panorama. so there's the connection
0: gotcha. yeah and we're gonna have on we have a podcast coming up too with uh, Pastor Micah Beckwith who's very involved just to talk about some of that like yep. when you start to see the connections and the darkness and the political part of all it like we just all need some hope
1: right and god brings the light that's right and we need to bring it that's right
0: wendy do you have any more
2: questions for Paige? final question obviously we talked about how the church can play a role how parents can play a role but what would you say to our kids you know they are smart and Mm -hmm. they can be advocates for themselves Absolutely. so how would you encourage them to interact with teachers
1: and principals and and use their influence Well, one thing we've always, you know, one of the big pushes has been, if it doesn't sound right, say something. Mm. If it doesn't feel right, say something. When those types of things happen, we have to give our kids the ability to be self-advocates. And we we aren't... Oh, that's hard.
0: With the authority, with the teacher. Right. That's... It is hard. We
1: don't do that very well at all. I mean, when you look at some of the things that are going on in our country... We don't do a great job of that. Yeah. Is telling kids you have a right to. And if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't sound right, it's not right. And you have, you know, even when you're little, you can say no. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's going to bring attention, but that might really get some parents involved. If your kid's coming home and talk to them, not how was your day? Because they don't know how their day was. They're kids. Right. What did you learn today? What did you hear at school? What did you hear in the lunchroom? Yeah. What did you hear in the classroom? You know, you need to get specific. You ask them specific questions. They'll give you specific answers. Yeah, that's good. Um, we always did something around our table, um, thorns and roses Yeah, at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. You know, what was your thorn today? What was your rose? It's just having those conversations and spending time with your kids. And when they get to be in like the middle school, do it in the car. A, they can't jump out. (laughs) And B, you're not making direct eye contact. Not that they won't try. Right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And that you're not making direct eye contact with them. Mm. Um, Get rid, first of all, pare down on the technology. And that's one thing we're going to talk to parents about because kids are using apps at school, and and that's what's hard about being a parent when you go to register. And we're going to cover all this on October on August first, because you go in, you sign things, you don't even know what you're signing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah,
0: that's true.
1: And so, kinder, you know, to having K through five kids spending this much time on devices and stuff, stop that at home. Give the kids some downtime. When you're in a car, talk to them. Yeah. Don't let them be on their phones. Mm -hmm. Ask the ask those middle schoolers questions because they don't want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be hard questions, but hard questions can come sometimes in the middle of a conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And keep
1: talking to them. Keep your your elementary kids. You you ask the right questions, they won't stop talking. Middle school kids talk to them, and then every now and then throw in the hard question and see what they do.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, so throw them in the car, lock the door, and don't (laughs) stop driving until you've heard everything you want to (laughs) hear. That's my takeaway. That works. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Paige, um, for, for your care, for bringing this to light, for sharing. I think you have such moral authority on the subject, being a teacher yourself. And so the thing that I loved about talking to you is it helps me like we need to love our teachers. Absolutely. We don't need to hate on teachers. We need to love our parents, love our kids as the church, be supportive. And parents, we need to not abdicate our responsibility and just assume everyone has the best intentions either. Like we have the right to ask questions. So this was a good one. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could keep going. Oh, yeah. As always. As always. Wendy's like, we can you really talking. never stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Page, thank you again You're welcome. so much. This was so good. Hey, everyone. This has been the Shooting Straight Podcast. I'm Tina. And I'm Wendy. And we love truth. Even when it hurts.